Hello and welcome to another episode of the Border Mail Sport Podcast with me, Steve Turvitt. Mike Brearley, Mike Gatting, Andrew Strauss, the list of English cricket captains to have been successful on Australian soil in recent memory is hardly extensive, but look a little closer to home and another member has joined that very exclusive club. Ross Dixon arrived on the border with a suitcase and a dream a few years ago and is now the captain of Albury and Cricketer of the Year after his exploits with bat and ball last season. It was a very strong off-season in terms of recruitment at Albury, so I started by asking Ross what his first impressions of the town and the club were when he first walked in as one of the new boys. Yeah, it was interesting because I, there was there's a guy called Chris Cunningham who played for Albury, uh, who was a friend from school, and he played for Albury in 2013. He played a handful of games. He'd met a girl from Thaguna, so he talked... Uh, he talked us into, my choices were to either go to Launceston where my brother played or to come to Albury. So he told us it was just outside of Melbourne and being from the UK, it's not a big place. I looked on the map and it, it looked like an easy, an easy maybe a, a train ride in for a night out. Turns out I was wrong. So on that first uh, that first day, I think I ended up, got a replacement bus service via Seymour, Benella, Wangaratta. Violet Town was somewhere in there and when I first got here it was different to what I expected but I absolutely love the place. It's just a great town, good people, honest people and, and that's why obviously we moved here with my family so really happy to be back. Moved back in 2019 but it was a bit of a culture shock from someone from the northwest of England to come out to the, the Riverina. It's slightly warmer than what I was expecting. What sowed the seeds and made you want to go and live and play cricket overseas in the first place? So I was playing. Uh, I was playing obviously club cricket. I was state played state 19s in university cricket. Uh, I can't believe I just started state 19s. It's county cricket. Sorry, I've been here too long. Um, at the time, and I was working for an accountancy firm. And, and my boss at the time basically said, if I wanted to, I could go and take six months off, get it out of my system, and go to Australia. Something that my brother had done. He, as I mentioned, he went to Tasmania uh, a few years before. So. Jerem got in touch and said I could bring, it was myself, a guy called Tom Marsland and Jay Williams, um, who all came out together, three mates came out, and uh, it was meant to, I was meant to come over here to improve my cricket, uh, and the only thing I probably improved was, was my drinking and my waistline improved the wrong way. So. I think there's, a, there's actually a plaque behind the bar at the star with your name as one of their most valued customers from that year. How much did you enjoy just the lifestyle of being here that year? Yeah, well, I don't know how much the Star Bar sponsored the cricket club that year, but they definitely got their money's worth. Uh, me and the boys pretty much went there for dinner every night, but the lifestyle was just great. It was so different from, from home in terms of all the all the teams in the comp were very close together. Uh, it was it was pretty social off the field. Uh, Dave Tassel really looked after us. There was a few people that year, Dave Tassel and... Uh, Jared Whedon as well so people who kind of took us under the wing and, and it was more the fact that it was a real the league geographically is very close so we'd go out after a game and you might see different blokes from different teams just you know in Z bar or Paddy's whereas in the UK as, as you're probably aware the, the teams geographically are a bit more spread out and people tend to stay in the room so culturally I just it was a great fit uh, and then personally it was just it was good to get away from home but it was when you get home you realise how good you know life is in terms of Australia in terms of that work life balance you know not long commutes and the weather's good and the people are friendly so it was it was that allure that tempted me back. Cut a long story short, in the last couple of months of my year over, well six months as the input player, I met my now wife. So 
that was uh, that was the worst kept secret in in Albury at the time. So Elle decided to come back to the uh, to the UK with me. We lived in Chester for five years, but I was working about an hour away, and the traffic in the UK can be pretty pretty gruesome. But, so since I've come back to Albury, I'm probably getting three hours back a day, which is great. You said it was the worst kept secret in town, but I'm informed reliably that it, you did attempt to keep it secret for about three months. So how did you meet? And what was the story there? So there was a house on Barella Road. So Dave Tassel had lived there, a guy called Matt Landy. It was basically a halfway house for Albury cricketers. Um, so when me and the boys came over, Hazy had sorted out that we were going to stay there. When I got there, the, the landlord, who is now my brother-in-law, uh, wasn't aware there was three of us and not two. So I actually slept in the office for six months on a, on a pull-out sofa bed. And obviously with LB and... Nick's uh, Nick's sister. I was trying to keep it fairly discreet, but it was we'd always seem to skulk off at a, a very similar time. So it's it, it's worked out pretty well. But yeah, worst case uh, worst kept secret. But it's worked out pretty well. We actually came back eighteen months later and got married. So it's uh, unexpected, but it was it, yeah worst kept secret. But the, the, the boys, I think I think the boys had all figured it. I think a few of us had spotted us out, and there was a bit of chat in the group. But look where we are now, I suppose. Tell us a bit about where you grew up and where your love of cricket comes from in the first place. Yeah, so I grew up in the northwest of England in, in a place called the Wirral. So it's in Merseyside or, or Cheshire. Um, and my mum and dad were members of the cricket club. That's how they met. My dad had played, I think he actually played 500 first A-grade games in the end. So he, he was a proper player and and my brother was my dad was a captain there my brother was a captain so kind of cricket was kind of in my uh, in, in my blood and, and Upton was a real family club so I played there for until I got to 14 or 15 and then it was a case of having to move on to, to probably play at a higher level so uh, very fortunate that we came from such a good ground and Upton is actually a very similar club to Albury very family orientated uh, Maybe not has always been as successful as what it should be on the field, but but create cultivated some really good relationships. Um, and then obviously in the UK, when I played uh, the majority of my cricket for a club called Chester Bourton Hall in the, in the Cheshire Premier League, so we had a, a fairly handy side there. And at the meantime, played a bit of minor counties. So in the UK, you've got like your major counties, similar to your states, and then your your minor counties, which is your your you say your country version of that team. So I played some minor counties and was captain of Lancashire under 19s as well so played some good cricket and it's a great way to see the country but uh, a few interesting a few a few interesting trips we used to finish on a Saturday you'd finish a league game on a Saturday and then you'd drive down to wherever Cornwall so from Cheshire to Cornwall is seven hours you'd drive down you'd finish your league game at eight o'clock you'd drive down there for seven hours and start a three-day game and invariably if you were playing away if day three if there was nothing on the game you'd find the local kind of student student night Exeter, Truro, Penzance, wherever, and day three could often be a bit of a ropey affair. You just hoped you weren't the one who had to drive the rest of the boys home. So <laughs> yeah, it was it was good fun. And the start of your club career, making your first team debut, you really were only a kid, weren't you? Yeah, so it was a classic case of good old-fashioned nepotism. Dad was the captain, uh, and in the UK you often have two ovals side by side. So we had the, the, the first team on the front pitch and the third team on the back pitch, and I was, I was 12 and I was playing for the thirds. Someone injured the back and very quickly my dad made a beeline to the back pitch. It was a chance for him as captain to play with his two sons. and So I made my debut at 12, uh, but I can remember my mum 
come in, driving down a long driveway up and pulled the car up and she was looking for me with, with, with a packed lunch or whatever it was. And I can just remember a few obscenities being shouted at my dad about me being stood there at third man for the first team. But no, it was it was good and a real good baptism. I think I think in Australia there's the concept, it's like the Wagger effect, where you get pushed into senior sport a, a lot earlier and you look at the quality of players that have come out of, say, Wagger and the Riverina. It was the same concept there. You're playing good level sport at a very early age, so... You, because we play win-lose cricket or win-lose draw cricket every Saturday, you think by the time you're 20, you could have played 150 seniors games, which is which is pretty much where you're at. And you do a lot of learning doing that. So it was a great experience. And was it intimidating at all going in as a schoolboy playing against men for the first time? I can't really, I can't really remember. I can just remember everyone not wanting to get out to me. I think about I got a wicket, five overs, one for 15, and I was batting 11. But we won that day. But uh, it was more people were intimidated by me because you don't want to get out to a 12-year-old boy. So uh, everyone was just patting me back and then someone went for a, a big shot and got caught. I actually think they chopped on, but it was it was, it was good. And, and Upton was a great grounding. And, and to have a scene, you know, a, a, an important role in a, in a senior men's team um, from the age of 15 was, was good because it meant as much as it, there's different standards, A-grade cricket just means more. It affects the how the people in the club feel, the volunteers, the other players, it's just the heartbeat of the club. And, and if the first team win, no one really worries about what happens with the other with the other teams. So to learn that from an early age kind of instilled what it meant to play first team cricket, which you can see in Albury, A grade is, is the pinnacle. It's a good good comp and, and the provincial comps, you know, it's very competitive. So I really enjoy it. As a kid, did you enjoy the stats and the technical side of the game and studying those things? Yeah, so it's people are all really be well aware. I'm really into my stats. Love a spreadsheet. I think there was a game called Cricket Captain, and, and me and some of the boys, you'd play and you'd be sitting. It was quite sad, really. Probably should have been out there playing real cricket instead of on the computer. But yeah, do, I do enjoy. That's why I'm an accountant, I suppose. You know, it's, it's fed into my later life. But as much as some people believe in intuition, there's a reason why you look at a lot of these franchise leagues now and different teams are employing data analysts and things like that because there are trends there to be followed so mm. yeah I do like stats. And going through the system with Lancashire getting to under 19 level did you believe you were going to go further with them? Ended up playing Lancashire 19s when I was 18 and 19 and was the captain as well when I was 19 um, and in, when I was 18 we won the county championship and then when I was 19 being the captain, there was a big conversation about to, to really move further, you had to spin it, really get some good revs on the ball. And naturally, I don't have particularly big hands. So I probably overcompensated trying to bowl, you know, big turning wonder balls and bits and pieces, but didn't necessarily look after my shoulders. So you, you end up being a bit front loaded, not doing the right stretching with a Theraband. And I think one day I was fielding and went dived and it pretty much just, it all came, it all came apart. And, I tried to come back uh, too quickly, and I didn't. But I went from being a obviously a, in three day cricket or two day cricket. Give me the ball, or hold up an end. I bowl twenty five, thirty overs in a day. Rotate the seamers. Obviously, it swings in the UK to being barely able to let go of it. So I didn't actually bowl for a couple of years after that. So I think it shows the people who make it deserve to make it. They just stand out, and and probably the standout player from my team there was Liam Livingston. And at the time, he was a leg spinner who, who batted a bit. And you look at him now and he's playing around the world and obviously playing for Perth Scorchers and playing in the IPL and he was so hungry. He trained more than anyone, he had a good eye, but he just wanted it more. And I think, you know, 
I had some ability, but I wasn't that next level, and I clearly just didn't want it enough either. There's a couple of comparisons that I'm interested in looking at. Firstly, coming from English conditions to play over here in Australia, what were the challenges that you found around that? So it's really interesting. There's this whole concept when you're in England that when you go to Australia, it'll be fast and bouncy. And when I got here, the pitches were generally slow and low. That you know they were very sun-baked. Uh, and the outfields were slow as well. So I went from being more of a touch player where I'd look to get off strike, back with a set man. You know, maybe you, you get you get enough on it behind square and it'll go for four to come into the comp where it was, you know, cooch or kikuyu grass and you had to really hit it either over or through the ring. And, and I found that quite, quite confronting. Like the first few weeks, I think I, I got runs in my first game and I think I got a 65 or a 70 against North Albury. But after that, I found it really tough because people started to figure it out. People start talking and they just drop someone at point in short third and then all of a sudden you can't open the face that way and they bring the mid-wicket a bit tighter and you can't knock it into the leg side. You know, So it, it was it was a different style of cricket. Tough cricket, hard cricket, good cricketers, but people who were so competitive. Like Cricket is, or sport in the region, is just the pinnacle. People like to talk about it. It's... It's a form of escapism for, for all the grown-ups here. So it was just, it surprised me how much focus there was on the local comp, whether it be in the newspaper or, or on the local TV. Did you find it tougher in that sense, like the mental side of it, or how people were trying to work you out than you expected? I think what you find, and I think some of the cricketers who will, you know, if, anyone, if anyone's listening to it, will say, when you go over as the import player, you're expected to be really good. And I was, I was obviously 20 or 21, and no, 21, and... I hadn't. I was always a bowler, and I hadn't really figured. I come off the back of a season in the UK where I think I've got eight or nine hundred in all comps. It was just a great year. So I was, but I hadn't really figured my game out. I played on really good ovals with quite with quick outfields in a good side. So you were always you get protected batting with 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 good players, and then all of a sudden you come into the comp, and Albury were a, a weaker team, and it was like we'll go and score some runs and. I hadn't really learned how to build an innings properly, especially in two-day cricket when it's 35, 40 degrees some weeks. You know, the best of that was probably that year that I came over, Cade Brown got champion cricketer, and he was just so kind of so disciplined in what he did. You know, if he was defending, he defended with purpose, but when he hit it, he just hit it so clean. There was a game at Lavi where I think he got 130, 120 maybe on day two, and he, he just was so dominant and that was a real lesson because I'm probably at the time I was probably a little bit more technical and Cade was was just he just had a, a good mindset he was a winner and was you know determined and that shows with Cade's cricket Cade's had a, a very strong strong cricketing career so it was a real lesson in a different way to play the game plus the ball doesn't swing here so at home obviously you play with the Dukes or a, a Tiflex and very rarely would you play with the Kookaburra and it'll swing from the hand whereas you play with the white balls and, and they're hard and they might move for the first few overs, but then generally they get pretty tired and pretty slow. So it, it was different cricket, but great. It was great for me playing and then going back to the UK. Uh, just different styles, different kind of techniques, and actually a different way of thinking about it. Uh, Were you a better player, do you think, when you went back to the UK because you had more weapons in your arsenal? I think it was, yeah, and I, I think it was actually, I got the fruits of playing in Australia, not when I directly went back, but a couple of years later when... I started to take more leadership roles within my teams. I kind of referred back to because when I, when you play when we played at Chester, it was a good team. We won 
you know, we won the year before I came up, we won the national, and uh, we'd won, you know, a few flags, a few cups. And so when you're in a winning team, everything's easy. You know what I'm saying? You've got the best facilities, you go out, you dominate, and you move on. Whereas actually when you move to a side which is struggling or, or really trying to make its way, I kind of, a few years later when I took over as captain at Chester, I, I always thought back to Albury about the grind and, and having to to really think about every passage of play because you could put all this good work in but lose a day's play on about 15 or 20 minutes with the bat and lose three or four wickets and it's done. So, yeah, some really valuable lessons. And interesting, you mentioned two-day cricket. We've seen that change from when you first came over here from two-day to one-day to T20. How have you found that? Yeah, so two-day cricket was... I, I, I always played longer-form cricket at home, but it was more overs in a day. So it was actually a genuinely a two-innings game. So if you played three days, you'd play 110 overs a day. So that's 330 overs in a game. Whereas when I came here, it wasn't really two-day. It was two, It was over two days, but it was only 80 overs. So it was a glorified one-innings game. Uh, and I found that interesting. But when I was over here the first time, people often ask me about going, well, was, you know, what was the comp better or this or that? And it wasn't. The players are the players, but the difference was in two-day cricket was that if you were facing someone, you'd face them for 30 overs in a day. Whereas, you know, if, you, if you've got 80 overs to bat and you're facing up and you're playing against St. Pat's at the time, it was, you know, Mark Butters, Heath Norton, Kane, Aaron Archkis, Jared Hatton. It was just a battery of, you never got any breathing space. And then when you play one-day cricket, you often need bowlers six or seven. And that's where you can almost sit against some of the better players and look to target certain bowlers a bit more so it's the the players the still the players are still the same but their involvement in the game has obviously been restricted by the rules where first year I played back after moving over the T20s they were played this time of year the pitches were slow no one was in form and about 95 would win you the game it wasn't like what you see on the TV it wasn't fireworks and sixes it was turgid sticky you know run a ball would win you a game so yeah, how much as captain, how much will that impact the way that you think about picking the team, preparing the team, working on skill sets because you're starting the season with that format? Oh, massive. And it's something we haven't actually, well, we have now, but gearing up when you're looking to go out to recruit and you think about how roles work, you've got that thinking about how do you get us from being a side which has finished third or fourth to winning a flag. And that flag is a 50 over flag. And so you don't pick your team based on, you know, T20 skill set. And, and the argument is, you know, do you go hard up top? Do you know, do you, do you go with more of your hitters up top? Or actually, are we saying, again, 120 is a good score, so then do you rotate through the middle? It does not matter if you are. In a game of T20, someone who you only takes one player to go and get 60 or 70, and all of a sudden you're chasing 130 and on, on a slow wicket with a slow outfield, anyone can beat anyone. A couple of new spreadsheets, maybe? Oh, no, I can't... I've got two kids now, so I've got better things to do. But yeah, I don't, I don't, I've thought about it, and that's what the, the book that I'm reading at the moment from the English, uh, he's a statistician at the moment, he worked with Owen Morgan. Uh, and they talk about these these trends in 2020. It'll be interesting to see whether some of them apply to local. They talk about the use of left arm seamers and leg spin and, and left handed batters in certain parts of the game. So to go back on the subject of family, you and L were living in Chester, but then you came back here to get married in 2016. So I'm interested around that decision to come back here for the wedding, but also the game of cricket that took place the day before. Yeah. So, so which one do you want to tackle first? Oh, well, we decided to come back. I really, I loved Albury. Albury was like the place I just wanted to come on holiday. So 
Uh, we came back in 2015 and then we got engaged. Um, so, cut a long story short, we were going to come back and I wanted to get married at home. So 30th, uh, 31st December 2016 and we, uh, day before, we had a game of England versus Australia. I didn't say England, we had Neil Smith and a few Scotland, it was more Scotland than than England, but uh, we had a game of, there was wedding guests, so there was, you know, there was myself and my dad and my brother, but then there was the likes of Neil Smith and the two Soul Boys, and that was the England team, and that was down at Noriel, and against us was, I think Nathan Brown played, and I think from memory it might have been Tass and Mix Pateri and Jared Hatton and A.B. McKinlay and, and Hazy and a few other, it was just a really unique day, but I came up to bat, I think I came up to bat in a hat, and uh, it was a wet synth though I think from memory I can't I might be telling a lie but A.B. McKinley nearly broke my nose first ball so I called for a helmet after that just one slipped out and somehow ducked or got a deflection but it's just reflective of what the Australian spirit was nowhere else in the world would you get a group of blokes you know play a game of cricket the day before your wedding uh, then back to Bilson Park for a barbecue so it was everything I really wanted it to be it was family and it was uh, it was reflective of of the mateship that you get within the comp so great day and, and I had a number of you know obviously the, the cricket boys then at the wedding the next day so yeah interesting enjoyed it but I don't know whether if I look back now it probably wasn't the best idea because everyone was everyone had been been at the star since about midday so how special was it to share something like that with your family and show them what your life here yeah. was or could really be oh it's massive I think in the UK they live when you think of Australia, you think of Melbourne and Sydney and Brisbane and Perth, and you don't really, really realise there's anything in between. And when my when we decided to go to regional, there was a bit of pushback. Not pushback, but people can understand why you wouldn't want to go to Melbourne, the most livable city in the world. And and then when you get here, you understand why. Quality of living is better. More time with your family. Beautiful scenery. You know, you've got the weir, you've got the river. Uh, and I think for for them, it was a case of. They got real comfort from seeing, we got married at All Saints, beautiful venue, but it was a case of them seeing that if this is where we were going to live in the future, they had, I think it gave my mum in particular a bit of reassurance about where we were going to live, but loved it. They had a great time. It was quite a, quite a big trip. Uh, I know there was, there was a few, uh, there was a few big nights for some of the wedding guests, but uh, no, can't complain and, and we would do it again. And, and it was, you know, that would have been. 2016 and then obviously we moved back over it permanently in 2019 so how big a decision was that yeah pretty big it's probably the biggest one that you've got to make uh from a family perspective but it was a bit of a no-brainer i was meant to go to melbourne with work but um opportunity arose obviously to come to albury and my you know my wife's family are here and the chance to get back involved with albury like i know for a lot of a lot of teams you know albury had struggled or, or they hadn't done as well as they should have done in terms of didn't make finals for a long time but I love the club I love everything about it uh, I love the people and, and you know that's still shown to me with how some of the other import players still interact uh, and it's a real connection anyone who's been and played overseas appreciates that it's you live in that moment for six months and you make these special relationships and Aubrey's been great love the club and, and it, it, it's been been good to see the club start to enjoy a little bit of success because I think it reflects there's a lot of work that's gone into that place uh, over the last 10 or 15 years to even keep the doors open so I feel like now we're starting to turn the corner and I'm looking forward to seeing where it goes. You mentioned at the top of the podcast your numbers were terrific last season do you think the captaincy 
brought the best out of you? I think uh, the last couple of years have been favourable, and and that's been really driven by Bilson. Is Bilson spins? It spins pretty much from from ball one at times. So being being a spinner, it's 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 deceptive because it's very small square, and so people generally don't look for singles as much as they should, and they try and go over the top. But when it's spinning, it's hard to do. Um, so that's helped. Uh, captaincy has been good. Obviously, Kay Brown was a club captain for six years, so big challenge taken over from him. But I think because I'm so desperate for the club to do well and to keep moving forward, it really reinvigorated my personal cricket because you know I, sh- I haven't I should have scored more runs than what I have, but it was I'm I'm just desperate. Like the win, I love getting the win on a Saturday, being with the boys and and seeing how. We built, you know, we went from not making finals for twelve years to to finishing third and fourth respectively. And it's the comp. There are good players in this comp. It's a, it's a high quality competition, but it's 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 a it's a level where a couple of players can change. You know, a side can go from being outside of finals to being a flag contender with two or three players because of the nature of its amateur cricket. It's local cricket. It's, you know, it's in it. So that's what I love about the competition is the fact that it only takes one bloke to roll into a club who's moved in from Melbourne and it can take them from being, you know, will they make finals or will they not, to being a genuine leather team to beat. So personally, I had a couple of strong seasons, but uh, hopefully now with the list extending, I think, you know, I can obviously I won't be batting as much and, and it's all more about the collective. Hopefully as a team we can, we can you know, repeat what we did last year and even go one step further. And when it comes to leading the group, when you think of captains that you've played for or watched, who have you maybe drawn inspiration from or tried to replicate bits and pieces about the way that they led their team? Yeah, so if we look in the bigger picture, and it's 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 a really obvious one, but you watch the way Owen Morgan and what he's done with that England One Day team, and he changed that brand of cricket. And I think that's something that we don't always think about in club cricket is actually saying well have we got a way to play and what is our best way to win the game uh, and so I took a lot of uh, by seeing obviously what his methods were about saying well why just because we always bowl five seamers you know so since I've taken over as captain we've generally opened the bowling with a spinner not really the done thing locally we've had a lot of success with it or if it means we've got to have um, you know a hitter you know in, in the top three it's about taking what is successful to win a game of cricket and doing it. And I thought Morgan was was a great example of that. Locally, uh, Matt Armstrong at Telangada. So much respect for Matt. He, you know, Telangada has been a, a powerhouse over the years, but you watch him and he he lives and breathes the place. He, last year he was opening the bat end, he was bowling, he was coaching, he was captain. And he reflects exactly what club cricket's about. So, yeah, you know, obviously locally, Matt's done a fantastic job. Few quick fire questions before I let you go. Yeah. Best player that you've played with? So, it, locally around here, obviously, Innocent came over. Innocent Care um, made a Zimbabwe debut, full Zimbabwe debut a couple of weeks ago. He got seven, 20, and 12 games. Just hit it so clean. Serious player, but but locally. So, I'm going to go for, for, for Trigger. Um, but then, obviously, as I've alluded to, I've played with Liam Livingston. He's gone on to, to do some special things. So, so probably Trigger and, Trigger and Libby. Best player you've played against? Oh, I've played against Livy. I've played against Liam Livingston a few too many times as well. Um, I think, in terms of in the comp, you think about fierce competition with in locally, and you look at say like a, a Smithy or a Crawsh at St Pat's, and 
and and the boys at North Albury up top are always so strong. There is just such strength throughout the list that I don't really, I don't, to be honest, I can't, I can't pinpoint one locally, but some serious players in the comp anyway. Favourite ground that you've played at? Local, well, except Bilson, because it spins, so it means I can bowl double bounces and take a few wickets. But no, favourite ground, I, I like the, the 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 two away trips we do to Langadore and Corowa. Just reminds me of when you're in the UK and you pack up the car and 40 minute drive, two lovely towns, two good ovals. So Langadore's ovals, the, the wicket's phenomenal. Uh, and uh, yeah, no, always enjoy going there, but obviously it's got to be Bilson because it's where we play every second week. Best sledge, either that you've heard on a cricket field or, or delivered maybe? Oh, I'm not very good at sledging, except apparently I, I got stuck into Corey for wearing black. Uh, Corey McCarthy, I played against him in the O'Farrell Cup last year and he was wearing black trainers and apparently I said something to him but wouldn't have been that witty. I've never really been sledged in. It's contrary to you know common misconception. Actually, Australian club cricket's very nice. Everyone's lovely, but... Uh, played my first game and I took guard and I was stood there at Bilson uh, in 2014 and James McNeil who was the East Albury captain at the time and obviously went on to captain Melbourne Uni just said to me you've, you've basically you've, you've taken six months out of your life and you've travelled all this way to play here and I looked down and the pitch had broken up someone there was a spray painted word on the site screen and I was like oh wow He's got a point. <laughs> wasn't really what I was expecting, but nah, that, that was that was probably his. Uh, everyone's been pretty pretty good to me so far. Vegemite or Marmite? Neither. I don't like. I, I, I don't, I'm not a. Uh, I'm not a fan of, of of either of those spreads. Although I do like. I don't even. I was about to say I like chili jam. My wife likes chili jam, but now. Nah. So what do you have in your taste? Just butter. Very plain. Very plain. Philadelphia, if I'm feeling feeling luxurious, feeling adventurous, and I've been to the shop. Yeah. Okay. Rice dinner or barbecue? Rice dinner. I'm not a huge, like, in fairness to my father-in-law, he runs a great barbecue on a Thursday and a Saturday night. Don't mess with Laurie's barbecue. He's very protective over it, but roast dinner. My wife bought some Yorkshire pudding mix, actually, from the reject shop last week, so that's uh, that's about as adventurous as my Sunday's going to get this weekend. <laughs> um, finally, now that you're a dad, why is Albury somewhere that you feel so happy raising your family? I just... There is something amazing about being at the cricket club with eight, ten children and playing against some top sides and watching, say, Jerem or Brownie next into bat, feeding their sons, you know, with the Milo with the Milo bat and the tennis ball. And I think I tossed up with Margot last year against North Albury and on my holding her because my wife, uh, my wife was with our youngest and. I just this is the plan is hopefully Albury will be where where we live and we've had the club rooms refurbished. I want to make that I would love I want to make that place a powerhouse and and we'll myself and the committee and Jerem Hayes, Cam Walker and John Van Ree and the rest of the people were, were working really hard to to make that the you know to make that the place that families want to go and play cricket. It's our point of difference and and, and it's a fa- it's a fantastic place to be. Ross. We could talk for another hour. I'm sure we've, we've barely even scratched the surface of your career and your life. But good luck for the season ahead. Good luck for the family as well. It's great to have you here. And um, we'll catch up again soon. Thank you for coming on the podcast. Thanks, Steve. Appreciate it. Thank you. That's all for now. Thanks for listening. 
To keep up to date with all the latest sports news, like us on Facebook at Border Mail Sport.